Hi, I'm Gaston, I'm the drummer. I'm Luke, I'm the singer. I'm Adam, I'm the guitarist. I'm Jed and I'm the bassist. And together we are the Struts. <laughs> That's the bit. Otherwise it was like we're in an AA meeting or something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello. Welcome to the next episode of Introducing. I'm about to introduce you to the best dressed band in the business. This is The Struts. They're UK boys. They're pretty much LA-based at the moment, though. Um, and they're huge in Paris. They do tell us about the biggest year ever, 2014. Not only was that the year that their debut album came out, they also supported the Rolling Stones in Paris that year as well. Paris Radio just loves them. And you're going to love them too. They're out here supporting Slash on his tour. Did they meet him or not? Find out soon. Uh, they also did headline shows in Sydney and Melbourne. I gave my mate James his little bar, cherry bar, in Melbourne to plug to, and they definitely made it. I've got photos. I've got photo proof of them making it, so that was nice. Um, you'll find out, it's very interesting, Gethin the drummer had never played drums like live in a gig, in a gig situation until he joined the band. And then Jed, the bassist, was a guitarist, and his first time playing bass was live with the struts. So... Luke and Adam, who started the band, very generous, very hospitable people. Um, you're going to love these guys. Sit back and enjoy my chat. I look at the, the Zoom, I'm sorry. It's modern, I get it, but we, we missed each other in Sydney. Our schedules didn't line up, so I did Zoom them from their hotel in Melbourne. They're sitting there looking all cool with the Pell mics on. So apologies for the audio, but the content is king, right? Enjoy my chat with the struts. Uh, well, welcome to Australia. How, how many times is this for you guys? Have you been here before? Uh, three. Yeah, three. Third. We came here with Grand Fleet 2018? 2019, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. That's what... No, that's when we came back and did the headline show. Either way, we've seen a fair slice of Oz and we absolutely love it. And I'm actually, we're actually staying in the hotel, which... Um... My parents took me to when I was a little kid because of the the lobby is filled with all these fountains and apparently it was something to behold. So <laughs> I uh, had a bit of a flashback wow. earlier. Uh, this will this will go out before uh, when you've left the hotel. So can I guess based on just the interior what the hotel's called? Is it the Windsor in Melbourne? No, no, no. And thank God for saying that because I was going to interrupt the podcast. Um, and, and tell us how the tour's been going so far. I mean, the crowds obviously love you guys. Um, you've been doing some shows with Slash, obviously, and you did a your own headline show in Sydney um the other night, and you're about to do Max Watts in Melbourne tomorrow. What what have the crowds been like for you guys? Yeah, the, the the first show was was a headline, and it was a really good old fashioned, super sweaty club show. Um, which which kind of set us up nicely for the next day when we were playing and opening up for, for Slash, which we, you know, we're doing sort of like 40 minutes. Uh, both crowds were really, really great. Obviously, you know, a lot of people uh, on the, the nights with Slash are, are there to see him. So in that respect, the shows have been a good challenge where we're sort of like going on stage, trying to win as many people as we can over, plus shove in as much material as we can with <laughs> and it's been tight but you know the crew's been really great the band have been really gracious to us and uh it's been overall like a really great experience so it's good to be back 
I interviewed Slash in Brisbane about 15 years ago, and I said to him the first thing I look because I, I can play guitar, but not not well enough to do it in front of anyone else. But you know, just enough where if I hear a cool song, I can just do a little bit at home. And I, I said the first kind of riff I learned was "Sweet Child of Mine," and he gave me absolutely nothing. Uh, so I'm sure every person who meets him says that. Have you learned anything off the great man? Has he has he imparted anything to you guys on this tour? Uh, I mean, we actually haven't met him. He's been, um, I mean, <laughs> obviously, he's such an icon. Yes. He's one of the people who can tell who they are just from the silhouette. So I, I don't blame him like, keeping, keeping himself to himself. But the, the rest of the band have been really cool. Um, and, yeah, like I said, it's just been, it's just been nice. It's, it's always a really good thing when the the group that you're out and the crew that you're out with uh, are really sort of uh, nice to you and it makes a lot of difference. Um, I have to say the album it's not it's not necessarily new anymore, but it came out in November. Pretty vicious. You must be very proud of it. I, I love it. I mean, even from the opening track, uh, too good at raising hell. I can I kind of figured it, that must kind of be you guys now anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's even on this tour in in Australia, there's been quite a few mornings where I wake up and the phrase does circle around in my head and, and I question life and my <laughs> my moral compass. But yeah, I mean, absolutely, of course. It's biographical. Yeah. Um, tell, tell us about where it all began for you guys because I know um, you guys kind of um, met in, in Bristol, is that correct? Well, especially uh, uh, Luke and Adam, you, you kind of met first. Luke, though, grew up around gospel music mainly when you were a kid. Did that, did that shape things for you as to where kind of you're sitting now? Yeah, I, I think, it, I mean, the first experiences I had of live music was at church and my dad used to lead the praise and worship. And, and I think growing up in a in a household that really didn't sort of, I think unconsciously didn't exactly celebrate or play a lot of like popular old school kind of music. It was mainly gospel. It was mainly my dad's music kind of growing up. So by the time I sort of got to an age where I was going out, buying my own music, etc., um, it was this perfect sort of timing of of discovering like a lot of older bands, which uh, not a lot of people were kind of listening to. So it kind of became my own and, you know, was very integral into sort of like forming my my identity, so to speak. And then... Yeah, I didn't meet ads until like 14 years ago or so. And we just started writing um, kind of like songs. And then there was a there was a demo that was uh, recorded quite uh, shortly after that. And then we got signed and then we uh, the, the journey kind of like began there, really. What about you, Adam? What, what were you listening to growing up before you met Luke? And, and then how did you guys decide that this is something maybe you want to do together and start a band? So, yeah, I grew up like listening to like Green Day and stuff like that and Oasis um, and pretty much that only. And then I met Luke when I was like 17 and it was kind of like um, I just started listening to some of the bands that like Oasis were influenced by Um like Slade and then I met Luke and then he kind of was like a a big brother in a sense that he kind of like showed me all this other stuff like uh, the Rolling Stones and then uh, we just kind of both had the same kind of aspirations of what we wanted to do with music and um, just had a great songwriting kind of chemistry from the off so it was kind of like um, well I was you know I was 17 I think it was 20 and uh, 
yeah, we just basically, I go down to his parents' house and he'd come up to my parents' house and we'd just sit in the living room writing songs and, um, a lot of shit songs to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> I, have to, I always have to ask them, what was the first song you wrote together and did it ever see the light of day? It was called, um, shit, actually, what was <laughs> No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 it was. was. Actually, no, that that's was a pretty good one. one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that one was good. And Bittersweet was good as well, but we had a couple. One was called Rock and Roll. <laughs> yeah. And one was she struts around so there was one called delilah which was pretty good and then actually that was featured on the the demo that uh that ended up getting a sign and it was kind of like uh yeah it was it was like this mix of like slade and oasis with like a, a big big chorus and it was yeah it was a bit over the top but it was it was it was pretty good, good. it was pretty good <laughs> So, Jed and, and Gethin, where do you, how did you guys get into the fold? Because I, I I normally like Gethin, like generally drummers seem to answer an ad or something. That generally happens here in Australia. You hear all the big bands like, well, I just a answered an ad and here I am. Uh, was it was it that? Oh, well, I got a, a Facebook message from uh, the old manager. Yeah. Just uh, um, So there's a drummer and a bassist before me and Jed joined. Um, but some stuff went down. They uh, got kicked out of the band essentially. So then they were doing uh, just looking for a new drummer and a bassist. Yeah, I got an ad. Oh, sorry, I got a message, <laughs> got a message saying, um, you know, we're looking for a drummer. Uh, I hear that you're pretty good and do you want to come and audition? And I, you know, I hadn't really played a gig before. So I kind of just, I was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. I was at uni at the time, I was doing music management. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> they're laughing because the, the idea of me as a manager. Um, That's the degree you do when you have no idea what you want to do. I kind of went there to start a band. That was my idea to go yeah. to a music to find bandmates. Yeah. I met this guy and he, he wanted to be in a band with me, but I didn't really like his music. Um, bless him. Great guy. But he um he recommended me to the band. I came up for an audition and we kind of bonded. I think me and Adam first of all bonded over like Oasis and Arctic Monkeys and stuff like that. Um but yeah, that was twenty twelve. Mm -hmm. I actually met Jed at the train station. Yeah, I'd been I'd been welcomed into the band a week prior and had actually come up with my best mate who was the drummer in my high school band. And I was like, bro, you've got, and it was Gethin and my mate that tried out. And so I see Geth at the, the train station and I see this like floppy haired guy in a leather jacket. And I was like, screw this guy. Like, come on, my mate's definitely got it. <laughs> yeah, definitely getting the job. So I resented him at first, but he's since become a, one of my best pals. So they worked out all right. So is that, does that mean that you brush the other mate or is he is he doing okay? He's doing fine, but he's uh yeah, wasn't wasn't to be in the struts. But <laughs> yeah. I'd ended up um I was trying to get my other band signed to the struts old management. And the kind of the sound of that band at the time was Killers Meets the Darkness, which actually is not a million miles away from some of the strut stuff. Yeah, yeah. And the old manager was just that, and I was playing guitar. And he said, uh, can you play bass? And I said, well, I can play guitar pretty averagely. I might play some power chords. I can probably play bass. And so actually, uh, yeah, the first time I ever played bass 
on stage was uh, was with the Struts. So actually, when you look at that like that, the Gethin had never played a gig. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> 10 years of gigs are not played. foundation. Yeah. <laughs> Does that mean, Luke and Adam, you guys are very char- charitable or you're just big risk takers or, <laughs> or all of the above? <laughs> they had great faces. There was great potential. Tell me then about, so that was 2012. Tell me about 2014, because obviously that's the debut album year. But I also read, was 2014 the year that you supported the Rolling Stones in Paris? So, yeah, that was a life-changing year and, and moment especially. So just to kind of put it in perspective, we, we had been handed back and forth between a few different labels. And, you know, the, the truth is that nobody that we had been with uh, in the industry label-wise had particularly knew what to do with us or even really wanted us uh, to, to some degree. <laughs> And the debut album comes out in the United Kingdom, doesn't really have a push. It's just it's just available. Let's just put it like that. It was just out there to buy. <laughs> and yeah, no radio support, whatever. But then all of a sudden, we started to catch some like, you know, actual organic like uh, attention in France and Paris to be more specific with this great radio station who I think believed and assumed that we were really successful in the United Kingdom. So they started to play our music. And then before we knew it, we we found ourselves in our van touring all across France, which was was our sort of big learning experience of what it is like to, you know, to pay your dues as a group, as as every group should in, in the early years. And that eventually led us to opening up for the Stones. And which I believe the scenario that happened was Primal Scream were meant to be opening up for them. And two weeks before, uh, from what I heard, they, they pulled out for one reason or another. And our name got brought up uh, when they were considering an alternative. And, yeah, we were playing this terrible, terrible uh, pub slash venue if it can even be legally called that in the united kingdom in a place called scunthorpe which by the way is the only town name on earth that has c-u-n-t in the simultaneous <laughs> letter <laughs> so we were, we were all in this makeshift dressing room at the top of this pub which was a very big sight for sore eyes and i remember we were all kind of contemplating the trajectory of the group, our options, etc., and then we had the phone call that we were going to be opening up for them. And the reason which it was sort of life changing was because of that show, it gave us like a certain amount of clout. Yeah. But soon afterwards, when we changed our management, um, we really landed on our feet with these American managers who used that one show to basically like big us up to everyone in america and then they they took full advantage of the fact that we hadn't been promoted and still appeared to be somewhat of a very new young exciting act and they took the same songs that wouldn't be played in in the united kingdom on the radio and took them to america and then before we knew it we we had a top five single alternative. We could have been me, and then that's where our our love affair with the United States began. 
Because did you relocate to to the US, and and are you still there, or did you just put, go there for kind of that that initial period, and then you've gone back home since? Well, the initial period was was pretty much non-stop touring. Yeah, uh, probably the most touring consistently that we've ever done from 2000 the the end of 2014 15 16 etc including the rest of the world and what would happen was because our label that was there uh and we had great connections with a lot of uh producers that we were working with at the time all of our time off would be allocated in los angeles or sometimes even nashville and then it wasn't until uh, the end of 2018, early 2019, I believe, um, I was round the friend's house and yeah, they just encouraged me to to make the move to LA and then sort of just had like a bit of a light bulb moment. And uh, yeah, just sort of like called a, called a little band meeting and said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna make the move. To LA, uh, which everybody soon followed suit, and then it's been sort of like our home and base ever since. Uh, and yeah, it's been great for us. It's been really, really productive. It's funny because I mean, from a, from afar, the UK seems to be insanely competitive. And I know that it's probably sounds like the most obvious state, statement ever, but in terms of especially what's promoted, like you can only like this band and not like this band. I mean, even just Blur versus Oasis, and then all of a sudden the Kooks are flavor of the month. And then you're not allowed to like them anymore because you have to like these guys. Is that what it's like actually in it, in it? Because that's what it looks like from and, I, and I'm talking about NME and and things from even when I used to travel over there. It's like Kasabian were flavor of the month. Now you're not allowed to like them anymore because you like these guys. Or is that just marketing and the fans are obviously smarter than that? I, I do have to say, I think something that we've observed, um, living and knowing the differences between the UK and the States is, yeah, I, I feel like the United Kingdom has, you know, considerably uh, less amount of like um, stations and press, for instance, to sort of like promote new bands and and of course like bands that have been together uh for a longer longer time so i think it's way more condensed in the uk and yeah i think there is sort of like a slight bit of um hesitation and and even dare say like snobbery to anything that's like a little bit left to center or isn't aligning with like what's hot and trendy or what you're being told is hot and trendy yeah but the difference is, I think, in the States is because they have such a wider audience and they also have many different charts as well for different genres of music, which I think helps give a lot of people a certain amount of longevity and, and different audiences. And I think there's just more room to be unique in yourself in, in a place like the States versus um, the UK. That being said, there's been loads of, great people that have come out of the United Kingdom. Um, but I, I think we're one of the very few bands. Uh, for instance, the only group I can kind of compare our story to is is a group like Def Leppard, for instance. Yeah. Obviously, much older group, massive legacy act, but they, they sort of had the same kind of issue where the home country, for reasons that are, you know, completely unknown, um, ended up going to the United States and then really conquering that. And I think to some degree, that's also been our our strategy because no matter what the UK say and how much, 
you know, we like to think that we are the be all and end all in terms of what's great and what's cool. <laughs> the US is always looked on, looked upon as, um, you know, what is to come, if that makes any sense. The, the, the UK and the United States have always had this very symbiotic relationship where whether it's the Stones looking towards American blues music and bringing it back to them. And mm. um, and sometimes even that happens the different way. Like when the Killers came out, we all thought they were from Shoreditch in London. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's just weird, but the, the UK still looks towards the, the US yeah. to some what they what they consider to be great and cool. Well, we're also happy to have you out here, and we've been very lucky. Like, I mean, we know how far away we are, and we we get we get top notch bands like yourselves coming out to visit us all the time. So we we can't thank you enough for that. Um, you got the show tomorrow night, as I mentioned, at Max Watts. Um, pretty vicious. You must be really proud of it, honestly. I, and I will say this is the sexiest album cover of 2023 too. So that's just my personal take on that. I loved it. We'd like to finish with asking you who you'd like to introduce us to, um, and we can go we can go down the line because anything that you're listening to at the moment. It could be Def Leppard, it could be old, it could be brand new and something we've never heard of before. So my one would be, they're actually in an Australian band and they've actually just gone quite viral with a cover of uh, Murder of the Dance Floor, which is a banger. Um, Royal Otis, I've been really listening to them quite a lot. Yeah, they were, they were on the podcast uh, last week. I went and saw them the other week. It was one of the best, like they're just such a cool, cool young band. I'm very excited for what's to come for them. Um, what about you, Luke? Can you come back to me? I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one set. It's, I got the what they called. I've been listening to this album by them. Hang on. You can jump in, Jed, if you've got. Uh, got <laughs> oh, you got it. Yeah. F L Y T E. F L. Like he kind of like laid back. Nice songs, cool harmonies. Jed, what about you? There's a band that I've loved for a few years because we both opened for uh, the Foo Fighters in Toronto, and it's a Canadian girl band called The Beaches. And they've been having a bit of a moment. Um, their songs have been going viral and they've just got some great new music. So, uh, yeah, awesome, awesome humans, great players, great songs. So the beaches would be my Yeah, nice. New- okay, pressure's on now, Luke. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, you can't yeah, op- yeah. can opt out. No one's ever done that before. But look, I don't want to put pressure on you. You can't opt out. <laughs> I mean, so normally, like recently, I've been waking up which is when I normally listen to my music. And it would, it would either be Tom Waits or Scott Walker, but I guess the newest person is Holly Humberstone. Yeah. Um, really good. Um, and has like, yeah, just great, great lyrics, great production, as do the the other artists that I mentioned as well. So I, yeah, they're my, they're my go-tos at the moment. Holly Humberstone and Royal Otis have both been on the podcast, so now you're in good company. Um, boys, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And and while you're in Melbourne, if you've got a day off, not that you probably need it, but one of my best mates owns the best rock and roll bar in Melbourne called Cherry Bar, which is in the city. Hey, yeah, we're going there tonight for sure. Well, for tell, sure. tell James I said hi, and I'm sure he will look after you as much, as much, as much as you want. <laughs> after party there tonight after the show, so... Tell him we're coming down. Okay, perfect, mate. I will do. Thank you so much, boys. I really appreciate your time. Great to meet you, mate. Cheers, guys. Bye.